I love this day for so many reasons. Uh, One of those being because God used you in this church to transform my life and the life of my family. You see, 12 years ago, Jamie and I were leading a small group about adoption. We had two biological children. They were one and two, and we didn't think we could have any more children medically. And so we stepped into this space of adoption, just saying, all right, Lord, do you have something for us here? And so we're, le- we're reading through a book called Adopted for Life, and we, we huddle up with about eight other couples that are praying through the same thing. All right, God, we don't know. Are you doing something in us? And so at the end of this eight-week series on adoption, we were supposed to come to our last meeting on that Sunday night and declare what God was leading us to do. And so we knew for some in the group, it was going to be, hey, the Lord's leading us towards adoption, some maybe foster care, some to say, we're supposed to support, support others that are in this journey. But for Jamie and I, the Lord was leading us towards adoption. And so we were so excited. We we're going to get to come that last night and say, hey, God's calling us to adopt. And so I'm preparing for our last uh, a group gathering on that Sunday afternoon. And unbeknownst to me, Jamie is in the restroom taking a pregnancy test. And so I hear a call from the bathroom, having no idea what's going on. And, and you know, like you, you hear that call and you think, well, maybe they need toilet paper or maybe... I, you know, maybe I'm not even supposed to go in there right now. And, and, but Jamie comes running out of the bathroom and she says, Jared, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, what? How did that happen? I didn't think it was possible. What is going on? We're supposed to go to the adoption small group in two hours. And she's like, I don't know. So at that point, we're, we're beginning to question, all right, God, I, I thought you had this before us, but maybe you have a different plan. And so James, our third child, was so full of life, he, he plugs in and recharges when he goes to bed and he unplugs when he wakes up and he is full speed all day. We love you, James. But at that point, we're saying adoption's off the table. Like we're, we got three, three and under, like we're done. And so fast forward seven years later, and the Lord leads us to this amazing church called Fielder that won't stop talking about how to care for the orphan and vulnerable child. And, and he lets me be on the missions team. And, and we start introducing this missions month and adoption Sunday. And as we're going through that, the Lord tells Jamie and I, ask us, are you sure I told you to take adoption off the table? Or, or did you just decide to take it off the table because it was just going to be too hard? It was just going to be too challenging. And, and if I'm honest with you, we really had gotten to this comfortable place in our life. Now our, our children are no longer in diapers. They can all take care of themselves as far as going to the bathroom, as far as taking a bath, as far as getting ready for bed, as far as cutting up their food. Like parents, isn't that a great day when you're just like, everybody's getting self-sufficient. This is wonderful. Yes, praise the Lord. And so what did, for us, we had begun to get not just comfortable, but we had started idolizing our comfort and the stage that we were in. 
And the Lord was wanting to kill that idol of comfort that we had risen up. And so we had to start praying through, honestly, begrudgingly, we had to start praying through this question that God resurfaced of adoption. And and so I'm I'm looking at a, a missions map with my friend and our lead missions pastor, Richard McKay, and, and we're at our office over here and we're looking at what God's doing around the world and where he's planting churches and where it's hard for churches to take root. And, and this country of India had all these red dots all over it because as churches would get planted there, they would get stamped out by Muslims and Hindus. And it was just really hard for the gospel to take root there. And as we're looking at that, I hear the Lord say as audibly as ever, I want you to take a little girl from India and bring her into your home and show her the love of Jesus every day. And I'm like, well, that was pretty clear. And so I do what anybody would do. I look at Richard hoping that the message was for him (laughs) and that I'm just supposed to confirm, good luck, Richard. But he, he didn't hear it. It was just for me. And so now I've got the daunting task of going home and telling Jamie what just happened. So as we're praying through this adoption, we're starting to get a little further down the road as far as saying, maybe this is what the Lord's calling us to do. Yes, okay, where, how? Now, Jamie grew up in China, and, so, and we had had several friends that adopted from China. So we're kind of naturally thinking maybe that's where the Lord's going to call us. And so as I go home and I meet her at the door, I'm like, honey, something really weird just happened. And and I don't know how to tell you, but I feel like the Lord is telling us that he has a little girl for us in India that he wants to be a part of our family. And I'm not kidding. The Holy Spirit inside of me unified with the Holy Spirit inside of her. And she said, that's it. That's what we're supposed to do. And at that point, it's like, oh boy. Like the roller coaster starts, and here we go. We're on it full speed ahead on this adoption journey. And so I just want to pause for a second, okay? Because uh, as you hear my story and as we look into scripture a little bit more, the thing I just want to ease of you is that we're not going to ask you to step into foster care and adoption today. For most of you, that is not what the Lord may ask you to do. All right, so just relax. You can take a breath, okay? Now, for some of you, he may ask you to do that, and you probably already know, you know, you're probably wrestling through some things like we were wrestling through, and, and you're, you're wrestling through putting your yes on the table. You, you know who you are, or, or you, your heart may be pounding right now because the Lord's preparing you for that. But for most of you, the Lord has something different that he wants to call you towards, that he wants to ask you to be a part of. And it's a different burden that he wants you to carry. It's a different burden that he wants our church to carry. And so I want us to see from Scripture what it looks like to carry burdens, all right? And so if you would, go ahead and begin turning to Galatians 6. And so if you're not familiar with where Galatians is, it's after First and Second Corinthians, all right? It goes Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You can remember it by GEPC, General Electric Power Company. 
which I don't even know if they're still around, but that's how I memorized it 40 years ago. So Galatians, right after 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians 6.2, and before we read it, what you need to know is Paul is, he's debunking a few of the mixed truths or untruths that uh, the, Gala- the church in Galatia had taken on, and he's trying to help them to see and understand, hey, here's what we're supposed to be about. Here's, here's what, if we're going to be a faith family, here's what it looks like, okay? So let's just read Galatians 6 verse 2 for right now. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So Paul doesn't tell them to fulfill the law of Moses. They would have been very familiar with what that entailed. They, they knew all the, the rules. They grew up learning and memorizing the Torah. They knew what the law of Moses was. But Paul says, hey, there's something different I'm calling you to be about. And it's the law of Christ. And, and you may ask, well, what is the law of Christ? Well, Jesus was asked the very same thing when he was asked, hey, what is the greatest commandment? Of all the commandments and of everything that, that the law of Moses has, what, what's the greatest? And Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. But he didn't stop there. He went on and said, and, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the law of Christ is, to love others like Christ. And, and you may be wondering, well, how, how do I, I hear that, and I, I've heard that my whole life, but, but what does that look like? How do I love like Jesus? How do I love and fulfill the law of Christ? And, and what, Jesus, what Jesus used when he explained that commandment was a word for love that you may have heard before called agape. He could have used a couple of different words for love, but he used agape because he wanted them and he wanted us to understand what it truly means to love like Jesus. All right? The word agape love is an unconditional kind of love. It doesn't come with strings attached. There's actually a really good definition that pastor and, and a uh, author, Chip Ingram, gives us. You may have seen it or heard it before here, but I, I, I'm going to put it on the screen. You may want to write it down if you haven't before. But here's what agape love is. It's giving someone what they need the most when they deserve it the least at great personal cost. If you want to know what it looks like to fulfill the law of Christ, this is what you do. You love with agape love. And so I got to learn this firsthand as we embark in August of 2019 to go get Ruthie. And so our family of five heads over. It's, I mean, it's all the way on the other side of the world. And so it's just a ridiculous trip. Many of you have gone to India and it's just, it's hard to get there. And you get there and you're exhausted, especially when you've got three young kids with you. We get to the hotel at 10 p.m., thankful that we've got a night to rest and even the next day to recuperate before we meet Ruthie two days later. And so we're getting to the hotel and our guide, who's going to kind of be helping us navigate, tells us, well, 
don't you want to go see your daughter tomorrow morning? Like, well, if you put it that way, yes, I, I guess we do. Yes, yes, we want to go see our daughter tomorrow morning. We'll be up and ready. Let's go. So 7 a.m., up, ready to go meet our daughter for the first time ever. And so, you know, there's all these emotions that are going with that. You know, we've been praying for her. Y'all been joining with us to pray for her and you're about to meet her for the first time. And so there's tears, there's anxiety. Like, how's she gonna feel? Like, we're excited to hug her and she's all wide-eyed and side-eyed. Like, what is happening here? And, and honestly, we, we get to see and rejoice in the beautiful side of adoption, but there's, there's also this tragic side of adoption too. Because Ruthie is being pulled away from everything she's ever known. So she grew up in a foster home. She had foster brothers and sisters. She had caregivers. She had a, a one specific nanny that loved her so well. She's familiar with the food, with the customs, with the environment. And she's having to be ripped out of all of that and put in this, with this foreign family. And she's headed to a foreign place with foreign people and a foreign language and foreign foods. And I just didn't realize how tragic and gut-wrenching that process is. And so as we're getting to know her, in, in that, that morning uh, visitation time, the nurse pulls Jamie over to the side and starts downloading information to Jamie. Hey, here's all Ruthie's medical needs. Now, we knew a few of them before we went, but, but I'm overhearing a whole lot more that we weren't aware of. And so over the next 30 minutes, the nurse just downloads. Hey, here's, here's everything you need to know. As a matter of fact, Ruthie's going to need a surgery as soon as you guys get back to the United States. And so if, if you don't know anything about adoption, what you need to know is that it never goes according to plan. It never goes according to plan. Because as soon as we get the download on Ruthie, they hand her over to us and say, okay, you got an hour to be at the bus station and then you've got to get on a bus and go 10 hours away to her hometown because you got to appear before the judge tomorrow. Like, wait, she's coming with, like, it's time to go. She's coming with us. Are you serious? Yep, go. Here you go. Good luck. And so it's at that point that I'm asking the Lord, are you sure? Are you sure this is what you wanted for us? Like, you wanted me to, to, to bring this daughter into our home and show her your love. I don't even know if I can keep her alive for the next 24 hours. Are you sure? And it was at that point that God began to help me see what agape love looks like, what unconditional love looks like. Because honestly, Ruthie had not done anything to deserve our love she had not done anything to earn it. But here we are meeting her and saying, God has compelled us to lavish our love on you because he's lavished it on us. 
And it was then that he began to help me have just a, a little bit greater glimpse of the sacrifice that he made for me so that his love could be lavished on me. And, and, and if I'm honest, I, when I read through those hours leading up to Jesus going to the cross, it makes me think that he asks some similar questions of the Father. Are you sure this is what you want me to do? Are you sure this is the way? Are you sure this is what's required of me? And the Father said, yes. And Jesus said, okay, I'll be obedient. And he hung on a cross, humiliated, beaten, and bled, and sacrificed his life so that we could be adopted into his family. And so what I began to see through those early days, as, we're, as there's round-the-clock medical care, as we're working on attachment, as God was giving us blessings, but it was also so extremely hard, I just I began to see that there are these burdens that are placed on a child who's been orphaned. Burdens that they weren't meant to carry. Burdens that they can't carry. Burdens that they didn't ask for. Burdens that they don't deserve. And these burdens have been put on them by situations, by others. And they're trapped under these burdens. And God in his goodness, compels families to say, we're called to go and help carry those burdens. And then God, in his goodness, leads churches to say, we're called to come alongside a family and help them carry those burdens. And so I want you to see a little further down in Scripture what that looks like. Let's stay in Galatians 6 and let's read verses 9 and 10. It says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's us. That's us in this room. That's those watching online. We are of the household of faith. And God has taken Fielder on a journey over the last decade to be a church, to be a people who care for the orphan and vulnerable child. And so the opportunity before us at Fielder is to say, we're going to step into this space and we're going to do good and we're going to care for the families that are stepping into foster care and adoption. I want to go back to that verse two, and I want you to see a, a, a picture of what it looks like, how we do good, how we help bear these burdens, okay? So let's go back to verse two, and we're gonna read all the way through verse five this time. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. And so that, that could be a confusing passage, 
right there. And I, I want to break it down for you, okay? I, I just want to start with verses three and four because it's talking about your neighbor and looking at your neighbor and, and it's even talking about comparing yourself to your neighbor. And, and if you weren't here, or you weren't watching last Sunday, you might've missed Pastor Jim do an incredible job preaching about comparison. You need to go back and watch that. I'm still chewing on some of the truths that he gave from that, but he was talking about comparing yourself and not comparing yourself to others and, and looking down on them or even feeling down about yourself because of others. And so what Paul does here, he, he actually brings in another element and says, don't look down on your neighbor because of their burdens. Because their burdens may be different than yours or greater than yours, don't look down on them and say, well, I'm, I'm better. Stinks to be you. And don't look at your own burdens that may be great and see your neighbor that that doesn't have many burdens, at least from what you can tell, and say, woe is me, I wish I was more like them. And so he couches verses three and four in between two and five, where he says something that could seem a little confusing, okay? Verse two, he says, bear one another's burdens. Verse five, he says, carry your own load. What does that mean? It sounds, sounds counterintuitive. Well, he actually uses two different words there that mean different things. When he says, carry your own load in verse five, really the Greek word is a picture that's something more like what we would think of as a backpack. Like carrying a load that, that one person could carry. It's, it may be heavy, but it's manageable. You know, you think you can put a lot in a backpack, but you, you can carry it. It's meant to be carried by one person. That's the picture of, of carry your own load. But he contrasts that in verse two with bear one another's burden. And so when he uses that word burdens, what he's, the picture that he's given there is actually a picture of a massive boulder, a huge boulder that one person cannot carry. Actually, it, it's debilitating. It would, the weight of it would crush somebody. And so he says, carry on load, but bear the burdens of others, especially in the household of faith. And so I, I want to give you a visual of what this looks like, because uh, you guys have partnered with us and journeyed with us over the last four years in our adoption journey, and you have helped us bear these burdens and so I want, I want to invite Jamie, my wife, up here to help me show what this looks like, to, practically speaking, to bear one another's burdens, okay? So uh, Ruthie's usually in here, but she's not in here today because I just, I wanted to use this analogy to help you see what it looks like. And so these are burdens that were put on Ruthie. I've got some friends that are coming to help as well. These are burdens that were put on Ruthie that she didn't ask for, she doesn't deserve. And these burdens are too many. She can't carry those. She's not supposed to carry those by herself. And so Jamie and I are called to step in and help carry these burdens for her. But actually, when we, when we try to pick this, we, 
we can't even move it. These burdens are too much for us to even carry together. And so what, what happens is we try to figure out, okay, what does it look like for us to try to break it down so that maybe we can carry it? We feel the pressure of trying to carry it ourselves. And so we take a boulder like trauma that, that Ruthie has in her life and we try to maybe fit it in something that's gonna be maybe easier to carry, but still worrying, how are we gonna carry this? This trauma that, that keeps compounding because it didn't go away when she came into our home. Actually, there, there are even some other burdens that have come into play as she has come into our home. One of these being financial needs that you guys have helped so graciously provide for in this process. There is the burden that she was born with of fear. Ruthie hates bad weather. She hates thunderstorms. When it was bad on Friday, she's asking, how bad is it going to be? Is it going to storm through the night? Because she, can't, she doesn't sleep well with thunder and lightning. She has, she has fear that our three biological children don't have. Ruthie's just started going through in the past two months grief. She's starting to recognize and realize that she's different, that her skin color is different, that her hair is different, that her needs are different. She has medical needs. I told you, some that we knew about, some that we've discovered, some that the Lord has graciously healed her of, some that she may carry for the rest of her life that we're going to help her carry. And Ruthie deals with anxiety that a seven-year-old shouldn't have to deal with. And she reverts back to our are y'all staying? Or am I going to be with y'all forever? Are you going to leave me? She shouldn't have to carry that. And so what you see is that these burdens that we could not carry just as our family, as we are a church that steps in to bear the burdens of others, what happens is, we have support and friends and the household of faith that says, we're going to help bear those burdens. You're not supposed to carry those as your family. And so I can't tell you the impact that that has on the life of our family and on the life of our child, Ruthie May. And it looks like Stepping into these, it looks like stepping into our children's ministry or our student ministry and partnering with our pastors to say, hey, there's children in here that are carrying burdens that we as adults want to help carry. And so I'm so grateful that we're a church that is, has learned and is learning how to bear one another's burdens. And this is what it looks like to fulfill the law of Christ. This is what it looks like to bear one another's burdens. This is what it looks like to have agape love, unconditional love 
to have the family of faith say, hey, as you're stepping into that space, we're going to step in with you because you're not meant to do it alone. We're all in this together. And so guys, I want to thank y'all for helping us as a family carry these burdens. Uh, I appreciate you. Love you. You can go back to your seats. So the the vision of Fielder Church is that we would relieve 1,000 children through foster care and adoption. It's an audacious goal. And God has allowed us over the last six years to see 145 children be brought into families in our church through foster care and adoption. Just incredible, 145 We have a phenomenal foster and adoption ministry. We have people in our church that are stepping up to say, hey, I want to step into this space. We have people from, uh, that are not connected to a church and have stepped into foster care adoption that are finding their way to Fielder because of our foster and adopted emphasis and ministry. We've got phenomenal leader in Aaron Benton, who's leading us forward in this ministry. But, but it's you guys as a people, as a church that are saying, hey, what are the opportunities? I want to step into them. And you have no idea the eternal impact that you can have. You saw in the Rondon video how God is using this ministry to bring people from death to life how he's reuniting families. He's doing an incredible work. And so I just want to give you a next step to take, okay? You, you received this card on your way in, and it says everyone can do something. Everyone can do something. And there's a QR code on the back. I'm going to ask you to scan it and just put in some basic information. And that's you saying, I'm putting my yes on the table. Yes, I can do something. Yes, I will do something. That may look like meals. It may look like prayer support. It may look like helping with hospital visits. It may look like uh, giving of your time or your finances. It may look like sending a, tweet, uh, uh, a text that says, I- I'm lifting you up today. The Lord put you on my heart. But if you'll put in some information and say, yes, I'll take a next step, I'm going to invite you to come to a information meeting on November 15th. And that's where you can learn a little bit more about how to take a next step. And so, like I said, for most of you, your next step is to wrap around these families and say, whatever you need, I want to be there. But I just want to pause for a second and say, for some of you, that may not be your next step. You, I, I want to make sure you have the right motivation before you take a step in, in serving foster adoptive families. You're not supposed to take this step if you're trying to do it to earn favor with God. 
if you're doing it to try to pat yourself on the back, if you're doing it to say, okay, God and I are, are, are at odds, uh, maybe this will help appease that. Maybe this will help with this, this lack of peace I have inside of me. What I want to say is for some of you, jumping into serve and foster adoption ministry is not your next step. Your next step is to say yes to the agape love of Jesus. Because what we all had with us when we were born is a boulder of sin, a massive boulder called the burden of sin on top of us that we could not get out from under. And what God Almighty did was he sent Jesus to remove that boulder from us. And he did that through the cross, through his resurrection. And the way we receive it is by confessing that I'm trapped under this boulder of sin, Jesus, and I know the only way out is your forgiveness. And so I'm surrendering my life to you. Would you set me free from this burden of sin and adopt me into your family? For some of you today, that's your next step. And, and we're going to be here to pray with you. We're going to be here to help you take that step. You may want to follow through with baptism today. We already have a few people that are going to be baptized today. You may be one of those. And so in just a second, I'm going to ask the prayer team and our pastors to come down because your next step may be to say, I need to surrender to Jesus. But there's one last thing I, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to. Some of you have other burdens that you're carrying and they're weighing you down and they're so heavy and you're saying, I need the household of faith to help me bear this burden. I want to invite you to respond, to come down, to come into the aisle and let someone pray with you. We are a faith family that carries the burdens of others. And the way we do that is we bring those burdens to the feet of Jesus. And so it's our privilege to join with you and help carry your burden to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you take this burden? Would you make our load lighter? And so that may be the way you need to respond today. But however it is, I'm going to invite you to respond as the Lord leads you. So I'm going to invite our pastors and prayer team to come on down. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand. And as we sing this next song that just says, I want to be available. Here I am, Lord. I want to be available. You're saying, yes, Lord, whatever it is, whatever you're asking me to do, the answer is yes. I'll do it. So let's respond.